My friends, let's, um, let's take our Bibles today. So if you have one, or if you don't, there's one in the pew back in front of you. And let's turn um, to Isaiah 61. If you're not familiar with that uh, portion of Scripture, if you take your Bible and cut it down the middle, you'll not be far from it. And just look to the right, uh, look to the left or to the right on either side, looking for the book Isaiah. Sixty-six chapters in this book will be in the sixty-first chapter. For all of my OCD people that are looking in the bulletin and saying, what about Nehemiah 6? Let me explain. We will pick up there again. Uh, On Fridays at noon, uh, I eat my lunch in the conference room and some folks are able to come and uh, eat with us and we generally read the preaching text for uh, the following Sunday, and uh, I this this past Friday, we were reading Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3, because Vacation Bible School is coming up at the end of this month, and uh, that'll be uh, somewhat of an abbreviated service, because all our children will come in at a part of the service and sing, and it'll be a great day, and so I was thinking, well, it's a small text, and uh, I want to preach the gospel and share with our families the hope that it's in Jesus Christ, and but the more that we begin to discuss this text and read through it, uh, just thinking about uh, the events that have fallen out in our country in the last week and uh, all that's going on, I, I, my heart just began stirring, and so I thought, well, I have everything ready for Nehemiah 6, and uh, those of you that have been with me here the last five plus years, you know I just preach through books of the Bible. And so that's my normal modus operandi, but I really felt in my heart that the Lord would have us uh, to use this day to speak about these three verses. And so I want to read them for you, Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach or to bring good news to the afflicted or weak or humbled or poor or meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of the mourning, and the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting or of weightiness so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer as we look into God's Word? Father, now we've had a great time of worship and just thinking, we're so thankful that we're able to meet in a free country and Lord that we're able to come here today and go to Sunday school and Uh, listen to the Word that was taught to us and enjoy fellowship and pray together. And then, dear Lord, we're able to gather as Your people have been doing for, uh, well, thousands of years, gathering in a corporate setting and uh, singing together, praying together, greeting and loving each other, and then gathering around the Word of the living God and learning how to become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so now, Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, the very simple points that I'll make and the powerful Word of the living God would do Your work in Your people's hearts. 
Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior and the Lord of their life, whether they've been a member here for a long time, whether they've been visiting, or this is their first day, Lord, I pray that You would convict them of their sin and of their standing before You, and that they would trust You. And Lord, I pray for Your people that today we would come together around Your Word and around Christ, and that You would minister grace and peace and help to us. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, uh, this text is so rich and powerful, and I hope that you will open your heart and allow it to speak to you. Um, some years ago, I began uh, reading and praying through this text before I preach every Sunday morning. And so um, if you come up to the office on any given Sunday, uh, you're liable to hear me walking around the office mumbling these words to us. And in case maybe um, you were distracted a minute ago, let us just let the Word of God speak to us again before I make these points. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to grant those who are in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning and the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting so that they will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. I only want to make three points today from uh, this text, and, and maybe the Lord would use these points as you read through them, and maybe this week for your devotions you would uh, plow back through these and pray through them and ask the Lord to help you. But in light of what is going on in our country, it seems as if in some ways we're burning down the house from the inside out. And you cannot turn on a, any given a news outlet without seeing that there are problems in our country and there are problems in our world. And I, I'm certainly nothing much. I, I, in the pantheon of preachers in this country, I, I, I am nothing. I'm not even a footnote. But I am the shepherd of this church. And in this congregation... We are mixed ethnically. We are mixed multi-generationally. And we have brothers and sisters in this room that are a part of law enforcement as well too. And I cannot speak for the country. And I cannot speak for North Carolina nor even the greater Raleigh area. But what I can do is do my best today to stand before you and open God's Word and say that whether it's in response to the situations that have gone on in our country this week, or whether it's in response to the way that you deal with your worker, your co-workers, or your boss, or those under you, or whether it's the way that you bring life home and you operate at the house with your spouse or with your children, I can say that there are some important truths in this passage that are being spoken about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we all can take away from here today so that this church models to this community 
How it is that we can have black lives matter and blue lives matter and all lives matter in this one assembly and come together on the Lord Jesus Christ and be one in unity. Amen? Here's the first point I'll make to you today. Make your horizontal actions flow from your vertical thoughts. Make your horizontal actions flow from your vertical thoughts. To put it another way, the way that you work with people, the way that you act and treat people, the way that you speak to people, whether in person or through Facebook or through Twitter or through text or through calling or through the passing of the hall or at the grocery store, the way that you deal with people horizontally should always be governed by the thoughts that you have vertically of God of heaven. You draw your attention back to verse number 1 and notice that there is no mistaking in this passage the evidence of the Trinity, the Spirit of the Lord God. This is the Holy Spirit, none other than that. Jesus said in the New Testament that the Spirit of God shall comfort you and that He shall guide you into all truth. The Bible says of every believer that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. This is God's Spirit who ushers eternally from the Father and through the Son. And in this Trinity, the Spirit of God is in believers and that is part of what unites us. It is the Spirit of the Lord God, or your version might say, of the Sovereign Lord. The word here in the Old Testament is Yahweh. It is the God who is supreme above all. It is the God who reigns in control of the world. The one alone Father of the universe and the Father of the Word of God. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Who do you think that is speaking about? In Luke chapter number 4, at the very inauguration of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus goes into the temple and He opens up the Old Testament Isaiah scroll, which by the way, when they found it, when they found one of the Isaiah rolls at Qumran, it was about seven meters in length. Almost six yards worth of the scroll. And so Jesus wasn't dilly-dallying around, nor hunting and pecking, nor pinning the tail upon the donkey. Jesus unrolled the scroll of Isaiah all the way until He got to the 61st chapter of Isaiah. And He said, today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your sight. My brothers and my sisters and those of you that are here today and visiting with us, I want you to understand that as a body of believers, as Emmanuel Baptist Church, we must be the kind of people that direct our horizontal actions and words with people based upon and in thought of the divine God of heaven, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I just want to ask you something. The way that you thought about and interacted with people this last week over what is going on in our country, was it driven? driven by your doctrine of God or was it driven by your own desires and thoughts and motivations and baggage? I have a friend of mine, as I've told you before, and she is forever speaking to me about what is going on in the news and what so-and-so said, and what so-and-so said, and what report came out, and what article came out, 
There's nothing wrong with listening to other folks. In fact, we'll get to that in a minute. And there's nothing wrong with reading articles and looking for details and facts and all of that. But when we think about what's going on in our country and just in our everyday lives with each other, we have to speak to each other. We have to speak to the lost world in our city. We have to treat people from the standpoint of our relationship with God. And so, when you get ready to speak with somebody, whether it's over this subject or whether it's over anything else in your life, you need to be thinking, the way that I speak and the way that I talk to this person, I want that way. I want the way that I love them and care for them and speak with them. I want that to flow from my relationship with the Lord. Do you know what Jesus said in the New Testament? Jesus said, here's the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as, your, as yourself. You see, our love of God, our thoughts of God, the way that we view ourselves under the lordship of the God of heaven should determine the way that we speak and act with everybody else in the world. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with everybody. Doesn't mean that you're always, that we're always going to be just some gigantic happy family that sees everything the same way. But what it does mean is that the way that we treat each other and the way that we treat the world around us should not look like the way the rest of the world treats people. If we want Emmanuel Baptist Church in this neighborhood, in this zip code to make a difference, then we've got to be the kind of people where they can peer in here and say, Oh my goodness, they've got a ton of people with various socioeconomic backgrounds, people of different ethnicities, people with different ideas and concerns, but you know what? They seem somehow to treat each other with love and peace and grace and respect. And the only way that you will ever do that is by making sure that the way that you treat people and the way that you talk to people horizontally, these relationships... That, that ushers from a right vertical relationship with the God of heaven. Let me make a second point to you today. Make everything in your life run through the intersection of Christ and His accomplishment. Make everything in your life run through the intersection of Christ and His accomplishment. Read with me the text. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. There it is, the Trinity, the Spirit, the Father, and the Son, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to the prisoners. In fact, in verse 1, 2, and 3, you'll find that there are uh, no less than seven things that the Spirit and the Father have anointed the Son to come and to do for us. To bring or to preach that good news of the Gospel to who the afflicted, to the poor, to the meek. 
Not only that, but He ascended to bind up the brokenhearted, those who are hurting and weeping and brokenhearted. Christ comes to set them free, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And let me just for sake of time stop on verse number 2 and say this, everything in our life must run through the intersection of Christ and His cross. Do you know when Jesus quotes this in Luke chapter number 4, He skips over in verse number 2, He says, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, but He doesn't say, and the day of vengeance of our God. Do you know why Jesus doesn't say that? Because Jesus was an expository preacher. And He understood that the day of vengeance isn't coming until Christ comes again to go down with injustice and to exalt righteousness and to rule the world. That day is in the future. But what He was saying is that the favorable year of the Lord is right now. And I want to say to every person in this room, if you are alive today in this century at this time, you are living in the favorable year of the Lord. And if you repent of your sin and turn to Jesus, He he will save you and wash away your sins and give you new life. But if you do not, the second part of that verse is absolutely truth. The day of vengeance of our God will come. Everything in our lives, what you see and what you hear and what you experience and what you do, must be run through the intersection of the cross. Some of you uh, noticed that um, Friday afternoon, it was kind of funny, somebody put up on Facebook, hey, Pastor Steve's going to be on the news, and then, I don't know, it was all of like three nanoseconds that I was on the news. Let me tell you how that came about. Uh, the reporter called here Friday and said, hey, will you, will you open up the church so people can come and pray if they want to? And I said, well, sure, we'll do that. And uh, we were talking for a moment, and I said, you know, um, if you ever want to talk, in our church, we have, uh, we have law enforcement in our church. We have various ethnic groups in our church, and uh, we make it work. We love each other. And uh, she said, oh, okay. About 10 or 15 minutes uh, went by, and she called me back, and this is what she said. She said, hey, can I come talk to you? Well, I said, well, sure, I'm going to talk to anybody. So, you know, I did the lunch group with everybody. We read the Bible. And then uh, I thought it was just going to be like a newspaper thing. So, she, so then coming up on the elevator comes the camera crews. <laughs> of course, y'all, look, this is a little family intimate moment. Y'all know when I get nervous, I sweat, right? <laughs> that's, why all the, that's why all the kids don't want to give me a hug after church on Sundays. Or if I eat spicy food. Okay, I'm chasing that rabbit way too far. Listen. <laughs> they come up, they set up in the office. Next thing I know, there's a camera there, a light, and I'm like, uh, give me just a minute. I need to tell the secretary something. I ran in there and got some paper towel and like wiping my face. And... So I sat down with this lady and, and uh, we talked. She said, let's just, let, I'll ask you questions and let's just talk. And I said, okay. And uh, so she, we talked for about, I think, almost 10 to 15 minutes. And the very first thing she said to me, she said, listen, in light, and none of this made it on the news, I, you'll know why in a second, because I talked about Jesus. She said to me, she said, in light of everything that's going on in Dallas 
and in Louisiana and in Minnesota and around our country and these demonstrations and all that's going on. And she said, is there any answer? That's what she said. She said, is there any remedy to the problem? And at that point, all the sweat went away and I felt real comfortable. I said, well, of course there's an answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer is the cross. My brothers and my sisters, listen, I, whether you're law enforcement or wherever you're from or whatever your background or whatever you're thinking in your mind right now, you listen to me. The greatest injustice that has ever taken place took place on the cross of Calvary where they took a man from a minority group who was ostracized and put to the side. They put him on the cross and crucified him for your sins and my sins. Well, I never thought about it like that before, did you? Let me come back around the other side and say this. The greatest authoritarian that has ever lived was Jesus. And the way that He lived was to give His life for you. There is not one ethical issue in all the world and all times that cannot find its answer at the cross of Calvary in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you ever get a chance to go to London, you'll find that in the north of London there's a place called King's Cross Station. For all of my Harry Potter readers, you probably know what I'm talking about. I was thinking about that early this morning. I've, I've been there, and it is one of, if not the busiest, one of the busiest intersections there of all travel. Isn't that a beautiful name? King's Cross Station. Every issue in your life and in the life of our world needs to run through King Jesus' cross. You'll find forgiveness. You'll find grace and healing. Let me pause for a moment and say to our church, I'll give you a few things. Pray for each other. Pray for your country. And pray for people. And point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Weep with people who are weeping even if you don't agree with what they believe in. Every human being in the world is created in the image of God and has intrinsic value. Weep with them. Make sure that you understand that the perspective that you have in your life is not the only perspective out there. Now, this sermon's difficult for me, and you can only imagine I feel all alone here, but I'm telling you something. Most of the people in this room have never, ever put on a shield and worked in law enforcement. And so you have no idea, and I don't either, what it is to put your life on the line every day to protect the community. Take a breath and breathe. Most of the people in this room have never been, including me, or ever will be, a minority in your life. And you have no idea what it is to think from that perspective.
when you come to the cross, it'll humble you. And it will cause you to back up for a second and say, okay, I have my ideas, I have my thoughts, I think I know what's right, and I'm not going to move from that. Okay, okay, I get it. But all of your political baggage and all of your thoughts and all of your background and all the way that you were raised, is all of that as important as the grace and mercy and humility that is found at the cross that says, hey, there's other brothers and sisters. I don't know their perspective, but what I can do is listen to them and love them and support them. You act like that, and you'll be acting like Jesus. And you'll be different than the world that's around us. And the Bible says that the church should be a city set on a hill. We are the lampstand. If there is ever a time for our church to shine and to give the blaze of the glory of Jesus Christ to the world, it is now. Because most of the people in our country and most of the people in the world are lost and they are operating from a selfish, self-centered standpoint instead of being crucified with Christ and allowing humility to run through the veins of their body. My opinions are not as important as Christ. And my opinions are not as important as loving care and concern for the brothers and sisters in this room. Take your hearts and your minds today to the cross. Proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. You know why both those are in there? Because God will save every sinner that will repent and come to Him. Right now today, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, He will save you. And I also want to say this, the balancing act of that is that there is coming a day where God will visit again in vengeance all the injustice of the world and He will set it right. So let me tell you what you are to do. You're out there in your blogosphere world, when you're out there on Facebook, when you're out there with these people, don't operate out of selfishness or self-vindication. Operate with the right thoughts of God so that when you look and you operate and act with people and speak with people horizontally, that you are running all of that to the cross and you are saying, Jesus died for my sins and your sins. And if He can grant forgiveness, He can grant forgiveness through me. Let me make uh, one more statement here. We'll close for today. Our greatest hope is in our great exchange. Our greatest hope is in our great exchange. I want you to notice something with me. Put your eyes back on the text and just follow along with me. Notice these words. And as I read these words to you from verse 1 through 3, I want you to think of where we are as a country. Afflicted or poor broken-hearted, 
captives, prisoners, mourning, ashes, more mourning, fainting. That is the demeanor and the attitude and the heart of people who are without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They are afflicted. They are brokenhearted. They are captives to their own sin, their own ungodliness. They are prisoners of the devil. They are mourning. They are weeping. The word for ash here is in the Old Testament when somebody would die, they would put the ash upon their head. It is dark. It is dirty. This is our world. We were speaking on Friday in that little group and we were talking about all the goodness in this passage and I want to get to that. But none of the goodness matters unless you see the goodness of God in light of the dirtiness of the world and the people that are around you. This is the condition of the world. This is the condition of the lost. Look at the great exchange that God says. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. To bind up, that is to bring healing to those who are broken. To proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to those who are in prison. To comfort those who mourn. To grant all those who mourn in Zion. Look at this. The garland instead of ashes. And the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. The hope that we have in this room and the hope of our country. And as that lady sat and talked for to me, the hope of all the world is Jesus. He will take away your sin. He will take away your shame. He will forgive all that you have done that is wrong. And He will give you new life and a new eternity if you'll surrender your life now to Him today. That's the great exchange. That all of the hate and all of the wickedness that is alive in the people of the world today, Jesus has the power to exchange that. To take all of the brokenness and all of the ashes and all of the mourning into His own self on the cross and to give you His righteousness. What's the end of the passage say? Why does Jesus do all of that? Why give this great exchange? So that we will be called the oaks of righteousness. On your own time, you can look back in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 29 and 30 and find that the oak of righteousness there is rotted out. That it is a sin-ridden tree that is about to fall. But in this passage... By God's grace and God's mercy and the work of Jesus on the cross, your sins can be washed away and He'll give you new, righteous life. Look what it says, the planting of the Lord. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, by His Spirit. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of your own doing, lest anyone should boast. God wants us to be 
strong, righteous oaks. And He's the one that makes it happen. And how does the passage end? For His glory. For His splendor. We will model to the community the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. We will come into this room, and I know, I know there's people, I, I, I can just feel, I know some of you are supporting what I'm telling you, and I know some of you are a little upset, but I'm telling you by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be the kind of congregation here that makes it. Why? Not because of our own work, but because of His work on the cross.